Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Well, we welcome everyone to the... Uh, to the message this morning, it's July the 11th, or no, 12th. July the 11th, and we are pleased that uh, if you're tuning into this broadcast, uh, we're, we're pleased that you are here with us. We are so thankful for your support in listening and commenting and, and your financial support also. Is, is all part of maintaining uh, our studies being broadcast in this way. And we're very, uh, we're thanking the Lord for that. Last week we began our lesson on uh, James, which is uh, faith and practice. I've heard that comment concerning James for many, many years, that faith and practice. In other words, what faith really, really is, how it manifests itself. And um, I was thinking of um, during uh, Roger's uh, uh, talk on 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 the on our thinking and our our thinking in the ways that we should of God, obeying God. You know. There's always been a problem in the, the world of, um, I guess we could say Christendom, or through the ages, uh, through the centuries, there's been a lot of folks that really did not like the writings of this epistle, James. And they tried everything they could to try to keep it out of the canon. But here's the thing. People didn't keep any of the books out of the Bible. They weren't able to. As a matter of fact, someone made a comment uh, many years ago that uh, the reason that our, our Bibles are the way they are is because the writings in them could not be kept from being in our Bible rather than the other way around. Another thing is, I believe, matter of fact, I'm certain of, every one of the writings we have in our New Testament were authorized or okayed. There's a technical word for it, and I keep forgetting what that word is, uh, including James. Even though it was late, it was uh, around 60, 61, 62 A.D., James was very near his uh, martyrdom, uh, nonetheless, that's got really nothing to do with this. These things were um, were absolutely accepted and qualified by the apostles themselves. You think about James. James was in Jerusalem. So was the apostle Peter. Do you think the apostle Peter didn't know about the epistle of James, what he wrote? Of course he did. 
Now the argument of James is, well, James is um, he's preaching the uh, the Jewish gospel that has the law and things within it. No, friends, none of that is true. Uh, that there's always been this this struggle about Peter and James and the church in Jerusalem preaching a different message as than, than the Apostle Paul and some of the others that went, where do they get that? There isn't any history of it. Josephus doesn't write about it. He doesn't write about a split within the, uh, the way, as it was known, a split within those that the, the, the followed the Nazarene. There's no mention of that. The Bible itself, even though there was discussions uh, within between the apostles, even some disagreements um, or actions being uh, being uh, addressed, such as in Galatians, where Paul addresses uh, a mistake that Peter is making in, in in trying to separate the Jewish Christians from the Gentile and things of that sort. That was that was not the church's position ever. Now, there was a time Christianity had only Jewish people in it. And then when we read in Acts chapter 10 and 11, we find out that it goes to the Gentiles also. Read those chapters. You'll find that every apostle and all the Jews in Jerusalem, when they heard of what happened with Peter, and how he preached the gospel and those were brought Gentiles brought into the kingdom. They praised God for it and said, So the Gentiles have also received salvation. I think what's what's been the problem with the writing of James is, as I said, it has a proverb a proverb type uh, thing. It, it makes a lot of statements. They rub a lot of folks the wrong way. They don't want to be um, brought to the understanding that they need to uh, be pleasing to God and to be obedient to the words of Christ and the apostles. But that's exactly what's going on here. James deals with a lot of things within uh, the character of people. Uh, You know, James talks about deeds not words. You say this, but what are you doing? He, he talks about avoiding social prejudice. He talks about faith, but faith without actions is, is it faith? Or is it just words? He talks about avoiding harmful words. Heavenly wisdom compared to man's wisdom. God's standards. Being patient and prayerful and willing to be a bondservant. Well, these are the things that James talks about. And friends, a lot of times people don't really appreciate that. But he begins um, he, he begins this way. To the twelve tribes hail, he says. Let, let, let's just read verse 1. James of God. See how that's written, James, of God 
and of the Lord Jesus Christ, a servant. The word servant there in the Greek means a willing bond servant. Willing. Not captured and kept in slavery, but willingly offered himself as a servant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. James is serious about this. And their, their understanding of that was much better then, apparently, than it is now. To the twelve tribes who are in the dispersion, hail. To the twelve tribes. Now, twelve tribes, uh, what tribes are they? Is it not the tribes of Israel? And remember, many within a lot of those tribes were were not present anymore or weren't known. Uh, they might have known themselves, but they weren't known to everyone. There was ten tribes taken away to the north and spread out throughout the world. But that's the dispersion that he's talking about. To the Jewish Christians everywhere, he writes this letter and says, Hail, in other words, greetings. Those of the faith scattered in the dispersion. But here's the thing. He's talking about, uh, he's addressing the Jewish people uh, first. Now, there's a reason for that, because that's the instructions that the apostles received, too. Even though the Gentiles have been brought into the kingdom, when the apostles traveled, they went to the Jews first with the message. Why? Because they were promised the message first. Before you spend any time with anyone else, you go to the Jewish people with this message. And you spend as long as time as is necessary making sure they have heard the terms of God to the Jewish people. And, and at that point, you can go to the Gentiles. Now, that's just an issue that is actually dealt with. Now, if we look at First um, Peter 1, 1, do we have that? 1 Peter 1.1. 1, 1. Here's the way Peter begins uh, his epistle. Now remember what James said. James, of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, the bondservant. Now, now we write here, uh, we read here in Peter, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the choice sojourners of the dispersion of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadonia, Asia, and Bithynia. Now, again, he's talking about the dispersion, right? Is he including the Jews in that? Of course he is. The choice sojourners would be the Jewish people, in my estimation. That doesn't mean that the Gentiles reading this letter can just uh, put this letter aside because it's not to them. That's not the point. The point is everyone's included here. Now, why is that? We see how James writes, we see how uh, Peter writes to the elect, uh, the elect sojourners is another way that it's written. Um, and what's a sojourner? It's a stranger 
in a foreign place. You see, the Jewish people were to be in Palestine, but they were displaced. They were, they were dispersed, if you will. And they weren't living in the land that had been promised to them for that period. But remember, there was reasons for that. Most of them departed the ways of God, and they ended up in that condition. But now the gospel was coming even to them. Now here's the passage I'd like to read in Romans chapter 1. That's not in our outline. Um, that gives us the idea of why things are the way they are here. I want to read verses 15 and 16. Now this is Apostle Paul writing to the church in Rome, the Christians in Rome. He says, So as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you also that are in Rome. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is revealed a righteousness of God from faith unto faith as it is written, but the righteous shall live through faith. Now, there was a method in bringing the gospel to the, to the world of that time, 2,000 years ago, to the Jew first, and then the Gentile. But remember, Paul qualified it by saying, to all that believe, all that believeth. So we shouldn't feel like we're left out. Instead of feeling left out, let's feel like we're informed, that we know what happened, that we actually know what the apostles were doing, that we know their, their, their feelings and their instructions they had received from the Lord. Now, the, um, the next section here is uh, the idea of uh, the proof of, of the faith, of the faith that they, they are talking about here. And we'll look at um, uh, James 2 through 11. Proof of your faith. Now, what's proof? Proof means uh, proving or testing, tried in trials, etc., etc., to show your faith is truly heartfelt, you're going to have trials. If you are legitimately a child of God, you'll have trials in this life to show that your faith stands, that you'll not depart uh, when things get, get tough, if, if you will. So let's, let's read here, two through, uh, verse 2 through verse 11, the words here, All joy counted, says James. My brethren, when you may fall into temptations manifold, many temptations, knowing that the proof of your faith doth work endurance, and let the endurance have a perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, in nothing lacking. 
And if you and if any of you do lack wisdom, let him ask God who is giving to all liberally and not reproaching, and it shall be given to him. Now that's quite a promise, isn't it? That's a promise, that's a general promise to those that are believers, those that are in Christ. If you lack wisdom, this is what you do. But there's more. There's more to it. Sometimes we want to stop right there. But let's go on. And let him ask in faith, nothing doubting or wavering. For he who is doubting hath been like a wave of the sea driven by wind and tossed. For let not that man suppose that he shall receive, and I'll talk about that word receive in a minute, anything from the Lord. Verse 8. A two-souled man or double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. And let the brother who is low rejoice in his exaltation and the rich in his becoming low because as a flower of grass he shall pass away. For the sun did rise with the burning heat and did wither the grass of the flower. Off it fell and the grace of its appearance did perish. So also the rich in his way shall fade away. So James has a lot about approaching God and asking something from him. There's a lot of qualifying issues here for us to understand uh, that we find in verse 6. But he says, to start with, he says, being tempted in all these many ways to prove your faith, to count it all joy. And can we do this? Does it feel joyful to be put under trial, uh, trials and temptations? No, but you know, here's the point, and I think it's probably uh, the, the main point of this is if you didn't know that this is the way it was going to be, it would be a lot harder. But when you know that these things are coming your way, it makes it a lot different, doesn't it? If you never hear this as a Christian, that's why Christians, they don't become a Christian and then that's the end of it. They close the book and their fire insurance is paid up they're good to go, whatever. No, no. Because they would never know this. They would never understand this. Now, these trials are sometimes very difficult. And they have some physical manifestations of themselves that are not that comfortable. And yet, it builds the idea of endurance. Endurance against the ways of the world and, and, the, and the, the, the evilness that surrounds us. That means we don't stop doing what's right just because things are falling apart everywhere else. 
And that's hard to do. Tempted in many ways to prove your faith. Count it all joy, and can we do this? That's the question that we ask ourselves every day. Are we going to be able to do it today? We must, for it will come our way, and we know it's coming, so just get ready for it and deal with it. Now, this, the next section, like 8 through 11, this is how God sees men. Uh, this is how God sees a man for who he truly is and a woman, mankind, he sees them. This is comparing how God sees men to the way men see other men. And believe me, there's quite a little difference. Um, God, he qualifies our prayers. As it says here, he qualifies our prayers. Not doubting. So if you pray for something and you say, well, I don't know if God will do this, or I don't know if he should even consider it, or I don't even know if he heard this prayer. Uh, you know, there's a verse in the scripture that talks about God does not hear a sinner. And from that, <laughs> from that, people have said, well, if, you're, if you've sinned and, and somehow you're in limbo there, God's not going to hear what you're, you're saying anymore or praying for. But it, you see, it's, it's a qualification again. Continually, continually sinning is not a state that a Christian can remain in. We have an advocate. We pray the Lord that our, our sins will be forgiven us. That's for in 1 John, the first chapter. That's there for us. Now, if we don't repent of sin, if we continue to sin and doing things we know are wrong continually, willfully, that separates us. And there is where our prayers, our requests, are going to fall on, on, on uh, they're not going to, as they say, go past the ceiling or the roof. Uh, because why? Because there's doubting, there's wavering. Um, and in verse 7, For let not a man suppose that he shall receive anything from the Lord. That word receive in the Greek means a self-prompted action. In other words, this whole scheme that is being asked for is, is self-motivated, it's selfish, if you will, and it, won't, it will not necessarily receive a proper answer. So in the Greek, it means self-motivated, self-prompted. Um, it comes from a person rather than any good that this may do. And I think we can kind of grab hold of that. The, the, that's where the idea of the double-minded idea comes from. So our... our our God qualifies our prayers and our hearts. He qualifies our faith in his word. If we truly have faith in his word, then we're not doubting. We have great evidence that it's true. You know, friends, when we read the miracles of God in both the Old Testament and the New Testament, 
Are we not experiencing the miracle? Of course we are. It's there. And it should have the same, the same effect as it did to those that actually saw it with their own eyes. God qualifies our love of the Lord and our brethren. So he's qualifying many things. Now, how is he doing this? Well, he's qualifying these, us in this way with his knowledge of who we truly are. In our heart, in our mind, are we his? It's hard for us to know uh, be, between people. Matter of fact, that's not, not, not our business. Our business is to offer our Christian love towards every person that's named Christ as their Savior. We give them that. And, the, and we help them in their struggles if we can. And we don't add to their, their problem. We don't accuse them uh, when it's purely an accusation and no, no real understanding of it. So I think this is the idea of the double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. That means he lacks the concept of faith and love when it comes down to it. Unstable. Unstable. Let the brother who is low rejoice in his exaltation. Low. Low position in the world of men. That's how God sees him, as a child. If, you, if God sees you as his child, what difference does it make what you have in an earthly uh, abilities or possessions? Nothing. It's absolutely nothing to do with what you really, who you really are. Remember, um, being a citizen of heaven is to be a child of God. The rich, on the other hand, by the way, uh, James deals a lot with the rich and, and those that have a real needs, physical needs, and comparing the rich. The rich were having uh, rich were, have a real personality problem and, and make lots of mistakes, and I think that James is, is not going to let any of it sit. So that's what he's talking about. And the rich in his becoming low. In other words, his riches mean nothing to God. God is no respecter of persons. So you're uh, amassing great wealth or great possessions, and it has nothing to do with how he sees you. Because he makes it clear, because as a flower of grass, he shall pass away. You know, the splendor of what we see growing in the earth. I mean, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. But what happens to a flower? Have you ever seen a perpetual flower? <laughs> I don't know how many days a flower can be beautiful, but it seems like there's a few days there. It just won't survive, and neither will these riches or the, or the position or whatever it is Because, it says, and the grace of its appearing did perish. 
so also the rich in this way shall fade away. These things are going to fade away. All flesh and temporal things will fade away. And here's the point. What is our response to things said like that? Now, what we need in this life are the things that support life, uh, our family, uh, the, th- the things that we can do. Uh, sometimes the, the more we have, the more abilities we have, the more this and that. We can do a lot more for the kingdom. And those things I, I'm, are just like the, 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 I think they're associated with the good works that were created for the child of God to do. Sometimes they take worldly possessions and human abilities such as that to be accomplished. But at the end of the road, um, the, the, the glory will go to God for the accomplishment and for everything that came before it. And I'll just close with this. Um, uh, yesterday I had a meeting, a conference meeting with uh, the folks I work with at CEF, uh, as far which is a correspondence a Bible uh, course for people outside of the country or people in prison here uh, and in the military here. I mean that's that's the people that are involved. And there's through the years there's been lots and lots of people. But one of those people is a, is a man that lives in Nigeria. His name is John Mark. He was one of the students for many years and went through the whole course. But a lot of these people are preachers when they start taking it. And at the end of the course, they're preaching the Bible instead of someone's <laughs> idea of what the Bible is saying. <clears throat> that's, that's the idea. That, that's the hope. Well... This man, you know, lives in very humble circumstances. Most people do uh, in most other places in the world. To where, you know, his, he's got a family and his only means of transportation was an old motorcycle of some kind. And it, it wasn't a Harley. We're talking about the kind of motorcycles that are in the world. Two wheels with an engine or whatever. And it broke down and this and that. But anyway, he needs ways. He is a worker for the the CEF. He goes out, he conference. Not only does he have a congregation, but he um, takes care of a lot of students of, of the CEF, talks to them, counsels them, and, and travels him. And other men go out on on missions. They go out to the Africa preaching the gospel. And this is in the atmosphere of what? The atmosphere of pagan religions and people of it, they're not friendly to Christianity. And then on the other hand, there's the Muslims. They don't wait to hear the rest of your story. They simply dispatch you on sight. That's the atmosphere they live in. And yet, what do they do? They go out and preach the gospel. They go out and encourage others to study the Bible. So what do you do for them people? When they have a need, you have to help them, you know, and he's going to get some help. Um, and, uh, but that, that's the work that God has for us. 
And that, that's where these circumstances of, of um, how we see things, you know. And this is a man that asks for nothing. He simply informs those that he's working with of what his days are like and the things that he does. That's kind of the way they are, uh, very devoted to... Uh, but, you know, he probably doesn't have some of the distractions that we have here. All right? Yeah. So I'll just leave it at that because this is the kind of thing that I think James is talking about, the very root of what Christianity is, the very things that Jesus of Nazareth was was teaching and telling the Jews about and what the apostles are, are, are preaching and their mission sent by the Lord himself. James lives in Jerusalem now and had for many years as an elder in the Lord's church, an elder in the church. No, he wasn't an apostle. He wasn't even a disciple of Jesus before the crucifixion. But now he was an elder in the, in the Lord's church and, and was for many years in, until he was martyred and killed by the high priest, uh, pushed off the, the one of the towers as Josephus. I'll uh, be presenting uh, Josephus' account of James, what happened to him uh, through this study. Um, so, so that we, we may know. So those would be my words today. And uh, I hope I give you kind of a word picture and an atmosphere and a feeling for what's going on here as we really get into all of the different teachings according to James, according to the Lord himself. And that's the point. These are Christian attitudes and Christian ways. So let us let us uh, go to our song of invitation at this time. Jesus is all the world to me. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.